how are you now? Ooh, team Tank, how are you now? <laughs> um, it's okay. It's okay. How's everybody doing? Your Montreal Canadiens win 3-2 to two over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Surprising. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and we are back on the main channel. So at the tail end of the recap here, I'll kind of give an explanation of what's going on. Uh, I know I talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but now things are a little bit more official. Uh, we moved into a new week here, so um, I do have an update on that front. But first, we got to talk about that game. And uh, Team Tank, let me talk to you. It's okay. It's not the end of the world that the Habs ended up winning that game because the Philadelphia Flyers beat the Brakes off of the Florida Panthers while that game was going on. So we had a 6-3 win by Philly. Um, so that keeps them at pace with Montreal, at least for the night. Um, where, what else did we have in terms of uh, tank-adjacent games? Arizona and Winnipeg still going on, end of the second. Winnipeg's only up 2-1, so Arizona might be able to sneak a point there, maybe even two. Uh, Detroit-St. Louis is still going on as well. What's going on in that game? It is 2-2 two two at the end of the second. We cross our fingers and we hope that one goes to overtime. And then there's Calgary and Anaheim going on uh, later on. That one doesn't start for, what, another 20 minutes or so. And we can hope Anaheim you know, steals a win there against Calgary. That's a little bit less likely than the rest of them. But at the end of the day, the tank was not too badly affected by this win. And let's get into it. I'm actually kind of happy the Habs won this one because of what happened at the end, and I'm going to talk about that for sure when I get there. So let's start with the first period, all right? Start from the beginning. Uh, the Habs actually had a pretty decent start to this game. Uh, had an early power play with Brandon Hagel going to the box. They get some good chances. It took almost eight minutes for the Lightning to register a shot on goal. But it must be said that when the Lightning registered their first shot on goal about eight minutes into the period, uh, the Habs only had three. So it's not like they had a shooting gallery going on. They were missing the net a lot on those chances, particularly during that Hagel penalty. They just couldn't seem to actually put anything between the posts. Um, so Vasilevsky having a pretty easy start considering that the Habs can't hit the fucking net. But a little later, turnover in the bolt zone goes directly to Nick Suzuki. Darren Radish kind of throws it up blindly and gives it away and Suzuki passes it over to Kirby Doc in the high slot he puts it on goal it trickles through Andre Vasilevsky towards the goal line Kirby Doc doing a follow-up and trying to go after his own puck and he doesn't even need to touch it it trickles across the line and in his return from injury Kirby Doc has a one nothing lead for the Montreal Canadiens pretty good start Guy just came off the IR and he's already contributing for you. That's uh, that's a good sign for sure. Great to see him back in the lineup. And then a few minutes later, guess who? Denis Gurianov with a great skate through the neutral zone gains the line, finds Jonathan Drouin on the left side. Jonathan Drouin, who you may remember, played zero minutes in the last game against the Lightning. He just walks in and snipes one. Had a fire lit under him apparently, and it's two nothing for the Habs. We get all the way into the mid-second period with the score exactly like that. And Denis Gurianov goes to the box on a bit of a suspect tripping call on Ross Colton. Um, he definitely stuck his stick out there and kind of knifed it into his skates. But the, the reaction was delayed, so I felt like that was a dive. But, you know, he did get his stick in there, so I guess you could make the call if you want. And the refs did, and that one hurts the Habs. So... 
Steven Stamkos gets it up at the point. He feeds it down to Braden Point at the faceoff dot, and he snipes one past Semyon Montembeau, who had been very hard to beat up to that point in the game. It's 2-1 to one for the Montreal Canadiens, still with a one-goal lead. But later in that same period, Nick Suzuki gets a puck down near the goal line. He throws it up to David Savard at the point. He goes across to Mike Matheson, who puts a sneaky one on through traffic, just a seeing-eye shot. Goes off the post and in, and it's 3-1 for the Habs. Surprising. After 40 minutes of play, the Montreal Canadiens are up two goals on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Habs, they start the third period with a power play. Victor Hedman was off for a late hook at the end of the second period, but that doesn't go. And the Habs kind of start to go into their defensive shell from that point. Um, Say what you will about that. You know, it's a tanking team. So I'd personally prefer to see them kind of go for broke and try to score as many goals as they possibly can. If you're going to win, just do it big, right? Run the score up and embarrass them. Make them go into the playoffs with that memory of losing 8-2 to to you or whatever. I don't know. Try to do that anyways. That's not what the Habs do. They start playing a little bit more defensively. And then with around five minutes to go, Justin Barron, he gets the puck in his own zone. He's backing up and he kind of tries to make a dump out. um, Really kind of a soft way to dump it out. He probably should have scanned a little bit more before throwing that one off the glass. It gets picked off, thrown on net, hits like three or four skates before it finds its way to Patrick Maroon at the side of the net. He just taps that one in. It's three to two. We got ourselves a game with five minutes left to play. The Lightning are going to get an opportunity to tie this up. Now, this is where I say I'm glad that the Habs ended up winning. Because in the final minute, they pull Andre Vasilevsky for the extra attacker. And then Josh Anderson gets a bit of an opportunity with the empty net. He goes around Mikhail Sergachev and he's going for the puck. He's kind of juggling it with his hands. He's trying to bat it into a position where he could tip it into the net with his stick. And Mikhail Sergachev reaches across with his free hand. Pulls Anderson down backwards. Looks like he actually gets his uh, his skate in there a little bit too for a little bit of a slew foot. And sends Anderson flying to the ice and into the net. Um, looks like he could have maybe hurt his back. Uh, his foot went into the post a little bit weird, so it could have been an ankle. Uh, his ankle definitely twisted a little bit. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, I actually got a couple of different angles of it up on my Twitter at DrakeMT. There I go, plugging my own Twitter again. But you can go take a look at it for yourself and see what you think. I don't want to play armchair doctor here and try to guess uh, what exactly he hurt, but he was writhing around on the ice for a little while, and he needed to be helped off the ice. And what pissed me off to no end about that fucking play. Not only did the refs not make a call immediately on that extremely clear hold, at the very least it's a hold, at most it was a slew foot, which gives you a little bit of leeway to go a bit further penalty-wise. I would have probably just called a hold, I think the slew foot, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm looking at my own Twitter right now at the highlight, and I'm not too sure that it's there. I, I would need, honestly, a better angle than what they gave me uh, on TV. But... At the end of the day, it's a clear penalty, and they don't make the call. They even come together. They go over to the timekeeper's box, and they're standing there talking about it, and they, they don't grab a tablet to look at it or anything, but they kind of chat with each other, and then they just go over, and they just signal a face-off in the Tampa zone. I mean, there's a case for an awarded goal there because there's a foul on a player with an empty net. Now, that being said, Anderson didn't quite have possession, so I don't think you could call it an awarded goal. You can't just give him the goal. He would have had to have the puck on his stick when the infraction occurred. Otherwise, you can't really say that he really had that clear path because he would have had, like the puck was up in the air, he would have had to catch it, get it down in a spot without closing his hand on it and and knock it in with his stick. So that, that might have been a little bit far, but it's a clear penalty and they don't make the call. I mean, this is another clear case of NHL officials officiating the score rather than the fucking game. 
100%. That's what it is. They didn't want to take away an opportunity for Tampa with 30 whatever seconds were left on the clock at that point to go down and maybe tie it up. That's not how the game works. That's not how the rule book works. The rules are the rules regardless of what the score is. You can't just fucking decide, well, I'm not going to make this call now because this, there's only 30 seconds left in the game and I want to give this team an opportunity to score. No, a penalty is a penalty. That one was clear-cut, open ice, holding at the very least. And they just elect not to call it. So you know what? For me, because that happened at the end of the game, I'm glad Tampa lost. I'm glad they didn't get rewarded for inept officiating. I live for the day that these clowns actually have to sit in front of the media after the game and answer questions about their calls. You know for a fact if these morons had to actually sit down and take questions from media. Like imagine if you had to sit down in front of Montreal media, Toronto media, Boston, New York media, all these guys grilling you about the stupid calls or non-calls that you made during the game. You're going to think a little bit more about making these calls. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. And now Anderson might be hurt as a result, and there's not even a two-minute penalty assessed. We'll see if the you know, NHL player safety department decides to do anything about it. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing as I say that because I think we all know they're not going to. But look... It just it grinds my gears that they can't make an obvious penalty call like that at the end of the game, and it ends up leaving a sour taste in your mouth after uh, you know a pretty good game of hockey overall. That being said, um, your player of the game, I think from for Montreal, you, you got no choice. You got to give that one to uh, Samuel Montembeau. He was pretty great in that game. He's been pretty great all season outside of that one period against the Florida Panthers. And then he ended up coming back and shutting them out for the remainder of that game, which they ended up losing anyways. But um, uh, outside of that, he's been fantastic this season. He was great in that game. He's the reason that they got into the third period with a two-goal lead. And he's the reason that in that third period, when they went into that defensive shell, that they didn't end up getting outscored to uh, you know a ridiculous degree in that final frame. So really great game from him. Doesn't help the tank very much, but like I said at the top of the episode, you look at what happened around them in the league, it's not that big of a deal. Even Columbus ended up winning. Columbus uh, won 7-6 over Washington, so they even kept pace too. They're going to be kind of hard for the Habs to catch no matter what, so what are you going to do? Doesn't kill the tank, so Montembeau gets player of the game, and a very close second for player of the game would be Kirby Doc. He was great in that game completely changes the complexion of the Habs offense when he's on the ice. Towards the end of the game, like you could talk about the goal all you want. It was, it was a good shot. It was a heavy shot. That's why it was able to get through Vasilevsky the way that it did. But towards the end of the game, he did some even more impressive things. Like when he went into the offensive zone, gets the puck into the corner and just shields it with his skate. And he's got like, at one point, I think he had three lightning players trying to push him off it on the boards. And he's not budging. Um, he looks... Like he's a hundred percent recovered from his injury. Uh, I know it was it was an injury that turned into an infection. Nobody's too sure because the Habs are notoriously tight-lipped about whatever their players are going through. Um, it's the same story every year. There's been a lot of questions about their medical staff. Um, we won't really get into that today. But Kirby Doc looks like they took their time with him, and he came back just as good as he looked before, and that's fantastic news for the Montreal Canadiens. He's going to be a very important player for them in this rebuild, I think. Um, it's just great to see him come back from injury and, and playing that well. Um, again, completely changed the complexion of the Habs offense. They're a different team when he's out there. And um, 
gets that goal again showing some of that chemistry with Nick Suzuki I I don't know what the future holds there I don't know if they can really afford to keep those guys on the same line I think it really depends who can potentially graduate next year out of their prospects and come up and play center Uh, could also depend on who they end up drafting right you know if you draft if you do end up winning the lottery and drafting Connor Bedard he's going right into your lineup day one no doubt absolutely and that might give you a little bit more center flexibility and maybe you could consider using doc at the wing but we're getting way ahead of ourselves at that point or i'm getting way ahead of myself i think as of right now they need to consider uh keeping him at center i think that may be where he's best suited he's played some fantastic hockey for them there this season and even though this was a game on the wing i still think that center is is probably where it's going to be at for him uh, moving forward but we'll see right the good news is you know he looks pretty good for you at center and also you absolutely know that he works with Nick Suzuki on the wing um, so you, you, you've got some flexibility with Doc um, that trade every game he plays man that that trade looks better and better so great news for the Habs um, they also got Brennan Gallagher back from injury too uh, he was a little bit more invisible in that game I gotta say uh, he took a penalty in what the first period <laughs> like the least surprising thing ever in his first game back his first period i think it was the second shift uh he ends up getting a penalty it it was a pretty clear trip it was a good call by the refs on that one Uh, i'm not going to argue that but even though they're they're still a bunch of clowns either way um but brendan gallagher i I think he's having a bit more of a, a tougher return from injury he was out for a while though he was out for considerably longer than doc so you know kind of to be expected that he wouldn't get back up to speed just as as quickly as doc did and then last but certainly not least, I, I think i got to give a quick shout-out to uh, Jonathan Drouet, man. After being sat on the bench for the entire last game against the Lightning, he comes out there, plays a pretty good game, ends up getting a big goal for them. That line kind of got ran over a little bit at even strength. He was playing with uh, Guryanov and Josh Anderson. But when they had the opportunity to go the other way and transition, they looked dangerous. Um, so it was kind of a fun line, uh, not the best defensively for sure, but uh, a, f- a fun line to watch at the very least. Um, and then I guess last thing I should probably talk about is Josh Anderson. Uh, he went down twice in that game, actually. It was what in the first period, I want to say. Uh, he got hit by a puck on the bench. And then RDS showed like a shift of him skating around and he kind of bumped into Corey Perry, like half-heartedly went in for a hit in the corner. And then he went off to the bench and he actually left the game for a little bit. And then he comes back and he has that situation with Sergachev at the end of the game. So I don't know, man. I would probably, you know, again, not to play armchair doctor, but I would probably say let's hold him out of the next game or maybe even two games, regardless of what his status is. He had to have two players help him off the ice at the end of that game. So I, I don't think it's worth risking anybody's health at this point in the season. It is a tank year. So, you know, if they end up losing a game because they don't have Josh Anderson, I think that's more valuable to the team than considerably more valuable to the team than having him out there and and getting him potentially more hurt in service of what? Getting two points that you don't need and that you don't really want anyways? I don't know. That's just me. And we know the, the team team doesn't give a shit what any of us thinks when it comes to injuries and whether or not they're going to hold players out. So, c'est la vie. Um, all in all, I'd say normally this would be a game that I'd be upset about, 
uh, for them getting two points. They they definitely got outchanced by the Lightning. They got outpossessed. Um, you could say they got outplayed by a pretty significant margin overall. But again, with that event at the end of the game with Sergachev, uh, I'm I'm happy the Lightning didn't get two points. I hope that they and this sounds really weird coming from a Habs fan. I hope they lose to Toronto in the first round. I don't like them. I don't want to see them have any success. Um, they were kind of being babies half the game. Like Maroon went after Michael Pizzetta after a clean hit during the game. Nobody likes to see that. It's just ridiculous. It happens too often in the NHL. Um, what are you going to do, though? On to the news about the podcast. I talked about this last episode. Um, Eyes on the Price, uh, as well as the bottom six minutes. From a podcast perspective, we have joined the Fans First Sports Network. Is a network that is being established in the wake of Vox Media. As many of you probably know, Vox Media didn't just cut Eyes on the Prize. They cut like almost all of their podcasts, including, for example, like the Steelers podcast, right? Behind the Steel Curtain. They have a podcast that does like, I don't know, 200, 300,000 downloads per month. It's more than we do. And they even cut those guys. Ah, so from the ashes of Vox Media, a lot of us uh, that were previously doing SB Nation podcasts banded together and joined this new network, Fans First Sports Network. Um, so what I'm going to be doing for the next few episodes is I'm going to be uploading on both channels. You're going to be able to find me on the Bottom Six Minutes channel on whatever platform you prefer to use. You're also going to be able to find me on the Eyes on the Prize channel. So if you haven't subscribed to that one yet, I would encourage you to do it because by the end of this year, I'm going to move everything back over to that channel and we're going to be posting there because Vox is not making any more pennies off of my podcasts. So we're going to do it together. We're going to bring it back onto the EOTP channel. But again, I will keep posting on the bottom six minutes channel to give everybody some time to migrate back over to that channel. If you don't know how to find it, pretty easy to find. Just go into your favorite podcast app and search Eyes on the Prize. The full channel name is Eyes on the Prize, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Right now, what you'll see is the FFSN, Fans First Sports Network, logo. Um, We are working on getting a new logo because the site, Eyes on the Prize, is also going independent. As of April 1st, we will be moving over to a new location. We have new hosting. We own all of the content, and we will be continuing exactly what we've been doing with Eyes on the Prize. It will be the same website. It's just going to look a little bit different with a new logo and a bit of a new overall look and design for the website so i've had a lot of people send me dms uh, emails and stuff about the site to ask you know what's going on and so if you're listening now that's what's going on as of april 1st you don't have to change anything if you've got us bookmarked bookmarked or if you tend to just google us or put us into your search bar whatever you do none of that's going to change it's still going to be the exact same url the exact same people behind the website and the exact same content so nothing needs to change on your end the only thing i would ask again is uh, everybody go and find that eyes on the prize channel for your podcast needs um, and eventually i'm going to have everything just over there thank you to everybody who's taking the time to listen to my bullshit um, ever since this Vox Media fiasco happened. Um, we've been scrambling to try and figure everything out. Thank you to everybody who donated to the GoFundMe. Um, it's thanks to everybody that was there that we're going to have the funds available to get ourselves started. And we know, um, you know, as long as everybody continues to support us by clicking on those articles, uh, we will be able to get ourselves self-sustaining uh, in short order there with ad revenue. So we'll try to keep it to a minimum. <laughs> We're, we're not going to have, you know, 15 million fucking pop-up ads ruining your browsing experience. We're going we're gonna to be using uh, Google AdSense, so it's going to be pretty simple. Uh, it shouldn't look too much different from what you've seen normally on Eyes of the Prize, but might be a little bit different. So bear with us. We're getting it done. 
and uh, we appreciate everybody uh, for being patient with us during this transitional period. Uh, it hasn't been easy. It's been a lot of work, and um, we're excited to see what we can do out on our own without the Vox Media overlords behind us. So anyways, we're running what? A little over 20 minutes today. So c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. We're back on Megaphone too. And I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. You can also follow me on my Substack, mattdrake.substack.com. It's free and it always will be. I'm keeping that active too. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.